Welcome to Daily Grace. We believe that the Bible is true, trustworthy, and timeless. And we want to help women like you know and love God's Word. The Bible shows us who God is, and who He is changes everything. My name is Joanna. And I'm Stephanie. Come join us as we chat about the truth of God's Word in our everyday lives. Today we are going to chat about worship. We tend to think of worship as something we do on Sunday mornings, but God's Word gives us a much more beautiful and fuller picture of what it means to worship God in all of life. Come on and join our conversation. Welcome back, everybody, to Daily Grace. This is Joanna with Stephanie, as always. Hello. So we have actually gotten a few messages and emails requesting an episode on the topic of worship. Um, And so we are excited to be talking about that topic today. We're going to talk about what worship is, um, how we do it, um, what it includes. So we're going to cover all of that on today's episode. But first, let's talk about favorite things. Stephanie, what do you have for us this week? Oh, goodness. I don't know. I think my favorite thing this week is just good weather. I mean, Mm. after a crazy tornado warning this weekend, it just like ushered in at like beautiful weather. So it really did. (laughs) So my favorite thing from this past week is I had a really, really cool experience to go on a women's retreat with my church. This is a really big deal because my church is pretty small. Um, I think it's about six years old at this point. And this is the first time we've actually had enough women to actually go on a retreat. Oh. And it was crazy because like the amount of women that we have in the church is like more than the amount of people we had in the church when I first started going there. Mm. Um, So it was just a really, really special time. Um, I got to get to know some ladies that I didn't know as well. I just heard so many stories of God's faithfulness Mm -hmm. in the lives of women in my church and really was just given afresh this vision of the body of Christ that comes together um, and lives life together and worships together and all of these things together. And so it was it was a really, really sweet time. I love retreats. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Awesome. Well, like Joanna said, today's episode is on worship. And A.W. Tozer said this about worship. He said, worship is man's full reason for existence. Worship is why we are born and why we are born again. And, Mm -hmm. you know, going back way back to the beginning, when God created Adam and Eve in his image, he gave them the ability to worship and I know I kind of forget that, you know, that no other created thing could have that kind of dynamic sense of worship with God. And and just mm. realizing that, I'm like, man, it's kind of a big deal. Yeah, it's like a huge deal. It's like, oh, everything that you do, the purpose of it is to come back to worship. Yeah. The full reason for existence. Yeah, that's a, that's a really, really big deal. And, you know, I think, unfortunately, 
we tend to misunderstand what worship actually is. Um, Because here's the thing, we are not saying that your purpose in life is to sing songs on Sunday morning, but that's kind of like the idea that we tend to hear when we hear worship, right? So we have to ask ourselves then, what is worship? Well, we have said over and over again, I think we've quoted this like probably 90% of our episodes. <laughs> and the Westminster Shorter Catechism says that man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever, right? Yeah. So if that is our purpose, and now we are saying that worship is our purpose, then that would mean that worship is the way that we do both of those things, right? Worship is the means by which we glorify God and enjoy him forever, Um, So I did a little bit of blueletterbible.org research um, and wanted to look at the words that are translated into worship in the English. So the Hebrew word that is most often translated as worship, and I'm going to mispronounce this, but I'm going to try my best, is shaha. And it means literally to bow down or to prostrate yourself. Mm. Um, And... We see it in verses like Psalm 95, 6 that says, Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. And the Greek verb proskuneo, which is also translated as worship, has that same meaning of to prostrate yourself or to kiss, mm-hmm. um, to kiss someone in like, um, in like honoring them. Mm-hmm. Like think of like kissing someone's hand, you know, it's like that, like, that kind of kiss. Yeah. Um, and both yeah. of these really give us this picture of humility, right? Yeah. That worship is, um, it begins with this with this posture of humility, of yeah. bowing down, of prostrating yourself. Um, and then another word that we see translated into the word worship is the Greek word latruo. And the noun firm is latreia. And it means service or to serve, And so we're kind of like getting all these different ideas. It's not just bowing down and singing songs. There's actually an element of service Mm -hmm. that's involved in our worship, something that we do. So what we can see from these words and from like countless verses that we're not going to quote right now, but we'll talk about a lot of them throughout this episode, is that when we worship, we serve and honor God in humility and love. Mm. And that's kind of a working definition that we can use for worship, serving and honoring God in humility and love. And so we said that worship is the way that we fulfill our purpose of glorifying God and enjoying him forever. So Stephanie, why don't you explain how our worship can fulfill that purpose of glorifying God? How does our worship bring glory to God? Yeah. I mean, first, I want to say thank you for always bringing in like the Greek and the Hebrew, because I feel like. Oh, yeah, it's so fun. Yeah. Going back to the original language of the text, like really enriches our understanding. And I don't do it mm-hmm. enough. So I really appreciate it. Well, and the cool thing is you don't have to know the original languages to study the original languages. Yeah. That's the blessing of like technology and yes. oh, all these so resources good. at our fingertips. Truly a blessing. Mm-hmm. But I think you're absolutely right. Like worship humbles us more than anything else because if you think Mm. about it you cannot have like an ounce of arrogance to like truly worship and it's this posture of humility that allows true worship and that is what brings glory to god because Mm -hmm. that is when we are wholly agreeing with god on who he says he is and 
you know, I think that is one way in, ha- in how our worship is a means to glorify God because it's, it's a way to show the world who God really is. So mm, in worship, yeah. we're reacting appropriately to who he is. And mm. like you said, it's not just with our singing, though that can certainly be a medium of expression. But, right. you know, it's so much more all-encompassing because it includes our attitudes, our thoughts, our deeds, our words. And yeah, so worship could be, you know, confessing our sins, bearing mm. fruit, and so many other spiritual dis- disciplines. And saying it that way, we can say, yeah, absolutely. Our worship brings God glory in that way. And like you said, there are so many different examples in the Bible, but using your working definition and just remembering that worship is loving and serving and honoring and adoring and obeying and knowing and making him known. Like if we remember that worship is all encompassing in that way, it's easy for us Mm -hmm. to see how our worship glorifies him. I absolutely love that you said that worship is approaching God rightly, or it's like a proper posture toward God, because that really kind of opens up, like you said, what it can include, Mm -hmm. right? It's not just like, oh, do this, do that, do this, and now you've worshiped. But when we realize it's about viewing God rightly and, you know, positioning ourselves Mm -hmm. before God correctly, then it's like, man, the possibilities for worship are really endless. Yeah. And if we viewed God correctly, I feel like worship would be our only response. Bonds. Like, mm, yeah, you know, if we realize the holiness of God, man, we're going to be flat on our face, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but, you know, I was thinking about this question as a very simple question. But, you know, sometimes simple questions, you know, we wrestle with it and we're like, okay, how do we communicate this? And, you know, mm-hmm. I think when I think of God's glory, it's helpful to remember the nature of his glory, which is that it's intrinsic and, you know, it's all of his attributes on its on display. It's his Mm. glory is who he is. Yeah. So, you know, thinking of us and being image bearers and even more being redeemed image bearers, Mm. that is how our lives can be our spiritual act of worship. When we reflect him with our lives, with this um, intent to show the world his supreme greatness and you know Mm. even though we can't add or take away from his glory because it's intrinsic it's who he is we can reflect his glory through our lives and hopefully that helps um our understanding of how our worship brings him glory Mm -hmm. yeah and as you're talking it kind of seems like we could kind of use a lot of times worship and glorifying god interchangeably Mm, Um, Yeah, that, you know, they're very, very closely tied to one another. You know, glorifying God is an act of worship. Um, And so on the one hand, worship is how we glorify God. And it's also the means by which we enjoy him forever. And um, this quote from John Piper, I think, is super helpful in understanding worship. He said, true worship is a valuing or a treasuring of God above all things. Mm, And you can always count on Jay Pipes to bring in the joy element, the delighting, (laughs) right? Um, And so, you know, our worship is going to flow out of sincere love and delight. And on the flip side of that, 
our joy, our delight is made complete in worship. Mm. So it's really cool how these work together. And, you know, John Piper does talk about this a lot. And I think he specifically talks about it in his book, Desiring God. And he gives this example of marriage, you know, that like when you are married to someone and you love them, you have joy in expressing to them that they are beautiful or Mm -hmm. that they are wonderful or, you know, all of these things. Mm -hmm. And you say it because of your joy, but there's something about saying it that it's Like you need to, it's like the completion of that joy, the fulfillment of Mm -hmm. that joy. And, you know, you can think about this too. Like, let's say that you're a sports fan. Let's say that you like MLB baseball and you are an Atlanta Braves fan like (laughs) I am. Okay. If you are like super in to baseball, it's going to come out in the things that you do. Maybe you like put a bumper sticker on your car or you wear a t-shirt Um, And then if you find other people who love the Braves, you just want to talk about the Braves, right? Right. You're going to to talk about the last game and you're going to talk about Freddie Freeman and all of these people because it's this joy that overflows in this praise, essentially. Mm -hmm. But also, as you are talking about it, that's like makes the joy even greater, right? There's enjoyment in the actual praise. And so that's what's so cool about worship. This isn't just like some like dutiful, joyless thing we have to do, but it flows out of joy and it increases our joy at the same time. So like the more you love something, the more sincere and natural your praise is going to be. And that's the same thing with God, right? If we are to worship God, we can't just engage our heads, right? We have to also engage our hearts mm-hmm. and they have to be working together. Um, and I love this verse from John four twenty four that says that the true worshipers worship in spirit and in truth and that we have to have both of these, yeah. right? We have to be worshiping in spirit, right? Um, this is the idea of there being this connection to our hearts and this joy that comes from within our spirit because because we have the spirit of God. Mm-hmm. Um, and it comes out of a place of delight, but also out of a place of knowledge because we have to honor God truthfully as who he is. And in order to do that, we have to know him. And that's just another reminder of how important it is to study God's word and to know God in his word if there is going to be any true, authentic worship. Yeah. Just hearing you talk, I'm like, man, this was God's good design, right? Mm, that yeah. our our worship of him is our greatest satisfaction and enjoyment and mm-hmm. It's like inter it's intertwined so beautifully. Um, so yeah, even that, just realizing that, it's like, gosh, that wants mm-hmm. like leads us to worship, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, I wanted to touch on the last thing you said. I think John four is a big chapter on on worship. Mm-hmm. And when you were reading it, it reminds me of a really good Karen Hodge quote. Um, it's uses fancy words, but it says what you said in a beautiful way. And she says, our theology and doxology can never be separated. And I just love that. And that's basically what you said of, you know, our view of God, which a correct view of God comes from his word, will shape Mm -hmm. our worship. So that is how our theology 
you know, and our doxology cannot be separated. They're, they kind yes. of inform one another. And, you know, that's why it's important to have the correct view of God. It's important to be a good theologian, which is what we talked mm-hmm. about in episode one. And right. it's so important because that is how we are going to engage in true worship. And mm-hmm. yeah, so I you know, thinking about this outline, wanting to talk about, okay, what is worship? You know, um, I thought it would be helpful to use the plot movements that we talked about in like the meta narrative of scripture. We mentioned it in episode mm-hmm. four, but so the plot movements of creation, fall, redemption, and consummation to kind of give us a framework for this conversation. As we all know, <laughs> God created all things, and Revelation 4.11 says, For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. So Mm. all of creation was brought into existence by God. And not only that, they were brought into existence with a God-given purpose. So Mm. thinking about man, man was created in the image of God with the ability and the purpose to fellowship with God in a very unique way that no other creation um, was given. Yeah. And, you know, when you were saying that we have all been created with a God-given purpose, reminds me of uh, Romans eleven thirty six that says, for from him and through him and to him are all things. And so all things that he created are from him and therefore his glory. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, as image bearers of God, those who bear his image, we have the ability to reflect what are called God's communicable attributes, Mm -hmm. which just means like the things that are true about him that also can be true about us. Um, And so some examples of this are like love and holiness. And so, you know, we are able to reflect those characteristics of God and also to delight in him and honor him. And, you know, part of worship is the idea that we serve God and we walk in obedience to what he has called us to do as we reflect his character. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, Adam and Eve, we see that they were placed in the garden to serve God um, in their work of tending and keeping the garden, um, in being fruitful and populating the earth with more and more image bearers, right? More and more people who would reflect God's character and glorify him. So worship at the beginning was there and it was the same idea right it was honoring god through obedience reflecting who he is honoring and adoring him and serving him yeah and i liked what you said like all creation was created to glorify god right when i think Mm -hmm. of the universe and the galaxies and that causes us to revere and and be in awe of god the creator but Mm -hmm. human beings being image bearers we can reflect the communicable attributes, like you said, to a mm-hmm. different degree than any other created thing or being, or like mm-hmm. being meaning like a mammal. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I, I love thinking about it that way and that, you know, we have this purpose of fellowship and worship um, of our God mm-hmm. in a very unique way. But moving on um, to the fall, which is the next plot movement, you know, Genesis 3 happened, which is the fall. And I think we can all agree that so many negative outcomes um, came from the fall. But I like what Tozer said. He said the real tragedy in the Garden of Eden was that Adam and Eve lost their purpose. And Mm. basically, you know, this 
still plagues humanity today, right? Where humanity is often in a state of wandering and a spiritual wilderness. And if you really think about it, like this is why all sorts of religions came up, right? People are trying Mm. to make sense of the confusion of their lives. But here's the truth, man. Religion has no power to dispel the internal confusion because religion just focuses on the external. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, the enemy is going to do whatever he can to keep us in that state of wandering. Yeah. Right. To keep us from discovering what our true identity could be in Christ and discovering our God-given purpose. And we talked a lot about this on our episode um, on identity in Christ, and that was episode nine. Um, But, you know, the enemy tries to tell us to find our identity in all the wrong places. Yeah. Like within ourselves, in the things that we do, in other people, and on and on and on. There are like a million different places (laughs) we tend to find our identity. But the thing is, all of those lead to misdirected worship, Mm. right? If we are finding our identity in ourselves, we are going to be worshiping ourselves. If we're finding our identity in something or someone else that is not God, we are going to worship something or someone else that is not God. And, you know, we see this everywhere in our culture, you know, these ideas of worshiping something else and finding your identity in something else. We see it in children's movies, in self-help books, um, even ones that fall into the category of Christian, right? Um, But all over the place, we just see how the enemy is working to tell us that we are something that we are not. um, And that changes the way that we worship. And, you know, I also thinking back to Genesis, um, The command given to Adam before the fall was the same command given to Noah after the fall. And that was to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And that's seen in Genesis 1.28 and then again in Genesis 9.1. And I love that because that shows so clearly that, you know, the command is to fill the earth with image bearers because God wants us to fill the earth with worshipers of him. And that just reminds us back to what I said, like the chief end of man remains like before and after the fall. It's to glorify God and enjoy him forever. That is the ultimate purpose of man. And the enemy really can't change that. Mm, Yeah, I love that that is the same and that connection there. And, you know, worship isn't just something that we do but it's actually who we are, right? Mm, We are called to be worshipers, like you said, image bearers, little worshipers. And I think it's just so central to our identity. Um, Because like we said, we're all image bearers made to reflect and honor Mm, and worship God. And sin and the fall marred that image, right? It it disrupted it. But that doesn't stop us from worshiping. It just stopped us from worshiping the wrong thing. And so we see so clearly that being a worshiper is who we are because we don't escape it ever, Mm -hmm. right? We just change the object of that worship. But because we are in Christ, if we are in Christ as believers, then the good news is that that image is being restored and so is our identity as true worshipers. Mm, I love that. You're going to worship something. (laughs) 
-hmm. Let's just get the right thing going here. Um, And that leads us into the third plot movement, which is redemption. And, you Mm -hmm. know, I like considering this an identity issue because it is. And it also helps bridge these two plot movements, right? Because when we understand how all-encompassing this call to worship is, then we... um, then we can see how it is so tied to our identity, which is so all-encompassing. It's who we are. Mm-hmm. Um, and I liked Matt Lance's definition on identity. And I also highly want to recommend this episode of Journey Woman Podcast. It was episode 18 with him on identity, and it was really, really good. And he defined identity in this way. He said, identity is a declaration that defines being, that indicates design and direction. So it's a declaration given by God to man, and he has the authority to inform the design and direction. Mm -hmm. So I kind of expanded it there, but I love that because he's saying, you know, God created us with the purpose to worship him. Our identity, Mm -hmm. that is our identity, and it's received. It's nothing that we do to achieve it. We are given that identity, but... Like you said, sin causes us to misplace our identities, and then that is going to um, make us misdirect our worship. And that's when we see that we need to be redeemed and have our purpose restored. And it shows us that we need a Savior, and Hmm. we need um, a Redeemer. And so I love how um, redemption is stated in the Word as a new birth. In John 1, 12, it says, But to all who did receive him, who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And so Mm. it's this idea of new birth into a family. And that helps me understand that it's, you know, that's our identity. It's our new birth through Christ. And that helps me see that, you know, as a redeemed image bearer, I can better image the nature of God. Um, Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And that makes so much sense that we would need this new birth because like the way that we worship God is by walking in obedience to him as his children. But like sin made that impossible for us to do apart from Christ. We could not walk in obedience with him. And, you know, Ephesians chapter four gives us this really kind of bleak picture of who we were in our sin, mm. right? Not in the, not in Christ, but in our sin. It says, you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. So even in this passage, it gives us two images of being children. And one is that Mm, we are sons of disobedience. And one is that we are children of wrath, right? So Mm. this is not us worshiping God as we obey. This is following our own passions and worshiping sin and worshiping ourselves. Um, But then it goes on to say, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. 
And so it is because of our union with Christ that we are alive in him. Mm. And you know, the rest of this passage goes on to tell us that this means that now we are members of the household of God, children of God Mm. who were created for good works, which is that we were created for worship. Yeah, and I think that is something that we can dwell on and marinate in, that we are children of God. Like how Mm -hmm. glorious, um, what a gift. And, you know, seeing as Christ is giving us a birthright to be his children. And Mm -hmm. man, once we realize that, like that transforms us, you know, it's by his grace that we can taste and see that the Lord is good, as it says in Psalm 34, Mm -hmm. 8. And, And this is done by being transformed by the renewing of our minds. And and that brings up Romans 12 too. I love this verse. It was very helpful for me um, in my walk. And, you know, it's saying that this transformation happens as we study God's word and the spirit sanctifies mm-hmm. us. And and it's kind of that beautiful process that you kind of mentioned in the beginning, you know, how this transformation happens. The more we consume his word, the more we love him and the more we treasure him. And and then we're transformed and it helps us engage in true worship. It's it's a beautiful process that is initiated and sustained by Christ. And mm-hmm. it begins, you know, with marinating in the word of God, studying it and to realize like who God is and who we are um, in his word. Mm. Yeah, I love Romans 12 too, and the preceding verse. And you know, I think it would be good for us to go ahead and read Romans 12, one and two, yeah. because it really does give us a picture of worship. Yeah, sure. And it Absolutely. says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And you know, I think it is so beautiful that God's plan to transform our minds isn't just to like snap his fingers and then instantly our thinking is fixed, Mm -hmm. right? But that it is through our communion with him as we seek him and enter into relationship with him. I mean, like what a beautiful plan of redemption that actually results in even more worship, right? As we experience him and delight in him. Yeah, it really is a beautiful plan of redemption. And to realize like, hey, it doesn't end there, right? There's this final Mm. plot movement that's called consummation that we um, can look forward to because that is when worship is fully restored and purified. So, Mm -hmm. you know, going to the last book in the Bible, the book of Revelations, we see where history will actually culminate. And and it's a beautiful scene if you read it. It's a scene of God's people in his presence in eternal worship. Mm -hmm. And man, this is when we are going to be able to see God and not be consumed like Revelation 22, 4 says they will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. Yeah, I I love reading passages in scripture about the new heaven and new earth. Um, two of my favorite ones to read, and I highly recommend going and reading them, are Isaiah 65. I was reading it last night and just like weeping. <laughs> 
<laughs> but we don't read it very often. It's a really, yeah. really incredible passage. And then Revelation 21 is kind of the, the classic one you think of with the new Jerusalem coming down mm-hmm. out of heaven as a bride adorned for her husband. Um, but we have this, this picture in all of these passages that God is going to, like you said, dwell with man and all sin will be gone. All pain will be gone. We have a God who will comfort us and wipe away the tears from our eyes. And it says that we will delight in God, right? As we mm, worship him yeah. and amazingly, he will delight in us. Um, and so because there is no death and no sin and no pain, our worship will be pure, mm, yeah. right? It will be undefiled, true worship. And like our joy will be complete in that worship, right? Mm. We said that worship completes our joy. And so pure worship will fully complete our joy. And, you know, in the new heaven and new earth, there's also going to be work. Um, but this isn't like work how we normally think of it as like, I can't wait to get to Friday or like, <laughs> I'm so tired and sore and yeah. all of this. But it's actually work that is completely and totally fulfilling, that is purely enjoyable. And we see an image of that in Isaiah 65, 22 that says, my chosen shall long enjoy the work of their hands, mm. right? You, it's kind of that idea of if you think about like your dream job, like the thing that you would do even if you weren't being paid to do it. Like that's the kind of joy we're going to experience in the work of our hands. And so, you know, as we work, we're serving God and serving is worship Mm -hmm. to him. And, you know, I think that shows us like, it's not just singing, right? You know, being in heaven isn't just like singing all the time. Although I think that'll be part of it. Um, I love this picture in Revelation 7 of this worship of um, all of God's people. It says, After this, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. And I don't know about you, but that like mm-hmm. that gives me goosebumps yeah. to think about people from every language, every tribe, every people coming together and proclaiming the goodness of our God standing before his throne, Yeah, right? Entering into this throne room of grace. Um, and, you know, it goes on to say later in that chapter, therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him, right? There's that idea of serving yeah. as worship, serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them in his presence, with his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat for the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd and he will guide them to springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Mm. And so we have this picture of just serving and honoring and worshiping in total and complete joy. There is such a huge difference from the new heaven and the new earth and 
and mm. our time now, it's kind of that tension of the already but not yet because we can worship right. with all of our life now, but mm-hmm. it's not to the degree that we will. Right. And it's always tainted by sin. Yeah. Because on earth, you know, we we have to prepare our hearts for worship often. We have to confess our sins. We have to... Um, you know, be in the state of repentance, like sin mars our worship mm-hmm. now, but to realize that it's going to be ongoing in heaven and and pure, like you said, and it's not right. going to be that like where we have to prepare or we're exactly. so exhausted from the work in heaven that we have, you know, it's right. just going to be a state of mind. But no, there's going to be pure and full enjoyment in the work that Mm. you talked about. So yeah, we just have so much to look forward to and and praise God that we are in that tension of the already but not yet. And that's because of our union with Christ and and Mm -hmm. the cross and and the finished work there. And, you know, I love the idea that even though our worship is not perfect here, that we can engage in true worship and eternity is going to be a continuation and a perfection of that worship. Um, Mm. It's not going to, you know, I don't want to be someone that starts it at eternity. Like, no, we can start it now and and continue it in our death. Like how wonderful and glorious is that? Right. And like, I honestly believe, and I think that scripture teaches that all of our lives now are meant to be worship to God. Yeah. Um, but we don't always see it that way. And we frequently fail because we are still struggling with the old man, right? Yeah, with, yeah. with our sin. And so, you know, we have a lot of misconceptions about worship, I think, as a result of that old sin nature that mm-hmm. kind of like pops back up. And, you know, one misconception is like, oh, worship's just something we do on Sunday when the music is playing. Or maybe another misconception could be that worship is just this like joyless duty that we have to fulfill. Or on the flip side, that it's just all about like happy feelings and good vibes and doesn't include us doing anything. (laughs) Yeah, those are all very real misconceptions. And I, I think it's fair to say that probably equating worship as just music is the most common uh, misconception. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was in that camp for so many years because in most churches, like only the music portion is labeled as a time of worship led by mm. the worship leader or the worship pastor. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> but actually the truth is like in that corporate setting, all of it is worship. The teaching of the word, taking the sacraments, like All of that is our worship and music, yes, is just one way to express our adoration, but it's so much Mm -hmm. more. And thinking of it that way, that all-encompassing nature of worship, I think of 1 Corinthians 10.31 that says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. It can all be done for the glory of God. Mm-hmm. through our worship. So I hope this episode conveys that or communicates that clearly, that worship is for um, all of life. And um, for the next portion, like we're going to flesh that out a little bit more. Um, you know, I think it was helpful to start with the plot movements um, because it reminds us like that is why we were created and our um, purpose um, hasn't changed after the fall. Um, mm-hmm. And so 
Like that should be our highest priority now, even if it's not going to be done perfectly. And Joanna, you gave us a great working definition of worship, but I wanted to add Pastor John MacArthur's definition too, because I think it'll help in that transition of figuring, like talking about, okay, how can worship be for all of life? And he says it Mm -hmm. this way. He said, worship is any essential expression of service rendered unto God by a soul who loves and extols him for who he is. Hmm. Real worship, therefore, should be the full-time, nonstop activity of every believer. And the aim of the exercise ought to be to please God and not merely entertain the worshiper. And Hmm. I love that. It's a full-time, nonstop activity. So it's not just corporate worship on the Lord's Day at your local church, although that's really important too, right? (laughs) Yeah, and we don't want to miss the importance of corporate worship as a part of a local church body. And I think that that is our tendency is to brush over this and just think that it's not important. Um, I mean, like even like you said, Stephanie, in a church service, worship's not limited to the music. But, you know, we worship as we behold God in his word, as we participate in the Lord's Supper, in prayer, in giving, Mm, as we welcome one another, maybe as we serve in different aspects of the church, right? All of these are all parts of our worship. And it is really, really important that we come and do this together. Um, You know, we talked about the new heavens and the new earth. Um, Well, in the new heavens and new earth, we are all going to worship as one body of Christ with our fellow believers. And, you know, when we worship corporately now, we are growing in that unity with one another into Christ, Mm -hmm. right? We are not called to to grow on our own, but we are called to grow up into Christ together. And that means that we are helping each other to grow in sanctification, right? We are helping one another along in this process of growing in holiness. And, you know, I even think about like, let's talk about the music for a second. Like specifically when we come together and sing truth about God, together. Yeah, we could listen to those songs at home with our headphones in on Spotify. Like we totally could. (laughs) And you know what? There's a time and a place for that. I honestly do believe. But there is something about coming together and singing truth over one another. Yeah. I mean, have you ever been in a church service and maybe like you are really struggling to believe that God is good in this season of your life, or you are really struggling to trust God in this season of your life, or Mm. you can't see how his love can be true for you. I have been in that situation, and I have heard the body of believers singing the truth of God's love and God's faithfulness. And as I heard that truth, my spirit was strengthened and my soul was refreshed and encouraged in the Lord. And that doesn't happen when I'm sitting at home with my headphones in. It's just not the same. It's true. I mean, just thinking about TGC when I was there and there are just so many different people, but just singing about God, like that stirs your affections for God in a way that 
that sitting at home can't do because mm-hmm. it reminds you of the global church and yeah. God's global purpose. And, and that doesn't happen as easily, I guess, <laughs> when you're at right. home on Spotify, right? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, even as we come together, like part of it is the music. But like we said, we serve together too, right? And yeah. God has given each of us different gifts and abilities. And, you know, we said that part of worship is serving Well, the Bible says that we can't do it without one another, right? Mm -hmm. We need each other as the body of Christ. And the way that those relationships form that we're able to actually come alongside of one another is by gathering together in this corporate worship of being part of a local church so that we can serve together and serve one another, right? As we worship God. And so, you know, God designed us to worship together, um, not alone, But it's important to remember that corporate worship and individual worship are both so much more than singing songs. Oh, yeah. And thinking back that it's kind of an identity thing, we realize that, hey, our union with Christ means our union with everyone else who is united to Christ. Right. Um, Yeah. Back to that body and the building um, metaphor used throughout the New Testament about the church. Our worship is corporate worship, but it's also for all of our lives. And that's like our personal worship too. And, mm-hmm. you know, just going back to John 4, I think it's a very important passage to talk about like, hey, how is worship um, for all of life? And and it also shows us that, you know, worship is not tied down to a location. Um, mm-hmm. And let me read it real quick. John 4, 23 to 24, this is Jesus speaking. He said, but the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Mm. And just to give a little bit of context, he's responding to a Samaritan woman that realized that Jesus wasn't just some ordinary man. Um, He had some kind Mm -hmm. of supernatural inspiration because he had told her um, directly about like her past um, husbands and all of that. So, yeah. And I just found it really interesting that, you know, in response to this revelation that he was she calls him a prophet. The question that she asks immediately after is to clarify something regarding worship. Mm-hmm. And and that is when Jesus is saying, hey, yeah, worship is not just relegated to a location. Um, mm-hmm. And he emphasizes that it's in spirit and in truth. And, you know, he also says like, man, true believers are going to be identified by their worship and True worship is in spirit and in truth. It's beyond the external. It, mm. Like we said, it's the spirit. That's It involves our hearts, um, mm-hmm. but it's also rooted in the word, so the truth. Yeah, and I think that it makes so much sense that true worship is grounded in truth. Because, I mean, think about it. What is true about God is lovely, and it is holy, and it is beautiful, And authentic worship comes from a place of delight. And so if we are going to have true worship, we have to have a true knowledge of the God who is worthy of delighting in, right? The God who is worthy of praising. And so, you know, if we are not seeking God in his word, and if we are not seeing him truly as he is, our worship will be insincere. And I'd even go so far as to say it won't be worship at all. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. 
it's kind of a bold statement, but I think it's it's absolutely true. And, you know, mm-hmm. going back, I'll, I'll link this um, article by Karen Hodge, but she also said in that article that worship is the shape of what we hold worthy. And, you know, I think about myself, you know, I get caught up in the busyness of life and, you know, I can even get caught up in the desire and the drive to steward all that he has entrusted to me well. But, you know, thinking about worship and how important it is and, and what God says is true worship. Like I have to pause and ask myself, like, why am I doing X, Y, and Z? You know, what is capturing my attention today? And, you know, let me see how I'm spending my time and my energy to mm-hmm. see, like, that is going to tell me what my real values are. And, and thinking about it like that, like I'm able to see how, Spiritual disciplines can be worship, right? Yeah. And I think that, like you said, spiritual disciplines are one like very clear way that we can worship. Um, Like when done from a heart that loves and seeks to honor God. Um, But I think it's also important to realize like it doesn't stop there. Yeah, We should view all of life as worship, just like you said. Um, Just like we view all of life in light of the gospel, right? Mm. Yeah. we can worship, for example, as we delight in God's creation through our five senses. I think about like eating in eclair <laughs> or like feeling like the soft grass like underneath like bare feet. Mm, yeah. Um, listening to the sound of the ocean, even like watching a bird build a nest or like the smell of lavender or freshly baked chocolate chip cookies. Like these are all ways, I'm like, my mouth is watering now. (laughs) But um, when we look to those things with the perspective that like every good and perfect gift is from above, right? Every good and perfect gift is from God. And when we look to them and see the surpassing beauty of the creator, Mm -hmm. like his infinite brilliance and artistry, then we can worship and adore him for who he is, right? Mm-hmm. Even as we experience the good gifts that he's given us. Or maybe like, like, let's say you're a parent, okay? You can worship God in parenthood as you obey God as his representative to your children, right? As you love them, provide for them, discipline them, teach them about him, right? This is worship through obedience and service to God, by serving these children that he has placed in in our care. And, you know, it really does apply to every single area of life. We could go on forever, but it could be doing your job to the best of your ability, right? Working heartily as unto the Lord, as Colossians 3.23 says. But every single area of life, everything that we do can be an act of worship as we love God, honor God, obey him and serve him. Yeah, I love that. That's so true. Like we can go on and on and on. (laughs) But just realizing like, you know, we need to guard our hearts because even good things can become idols if they become ultimate things. And right, you know, thinking about parenthood and stuff like that was huge for me in regard to my kids. And Like, this is where worship can go seriously wrong because, you know, even with good intentions, we can be worshiping false gods, right? Mm -hmm. When we 
use the definition of an idol as being anything or anyone treasured more than God, then it's so easy to see how Mm. we can worship idols without even wanting to or intending to, you know, because we've made good things ultimate things. Right. Yeah, we valued his gifts, whether that's, you know, the eclair or the child above him. Um, And, you know, I even think that this idea of idolatry can come into play with parenting, for example, um, because like maybe we want to parent our kids well, not in order to like obey and honor God, but to make ourselves look good. Right. So we're like idolizing other people and their opinions of us, or we begin to idolize our work or the good gifts that come from God that are certainly made for our enjoyment, but that are meant to ultimately point us back to God. Yeah. Right. Not, not to the thing itself. And worship can really go wrong when we have the wrong heart attitude. Yeah. Um, maybe we do things that will be perceived as worship to the outside world. You know, I think about like, um, when Jesus says, like, when you pray, don't go stand out on the street corner for everybody to see you, mm-hmm. right? It's easy for us to, like, do things that look like worship, but if our hearts do not have a heart of humility, then it's not going to actually be true worship at all. Um, you know, maybe it is things like participating and serving in church or giving money, um, even preaching the gospel, yeah. right? We can do from from a place of wanting to like elevate ourselves. But I think sometimes we can get into the trap of doing those things for the sake of looking good to other people or even trying to earn our salvation through these good works instead of letting worship be an outpouring in response to our salvation. Yeah, and just hearing you talk about like how parenthood and, and other things can misdirect our worship, like that actually makes me see even more of how our identity is tied to worship. And you're absolutely right. There are just so many like subtle deviations that can throw it all wrong. Um, I think of <laughs> Matthew 15, 8, where Jesus says, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And like you mm-hmm. said, like, man, we could preach the gospel and and be doing it for self-exaltation or self-worship. And that applies to us. Like our worship isn't just external things, although they are good indicators, right? Um, Mm -hmm. How we spend our time or money and things, those are good indicators of our values. Um, Right. But man, we got to think about our hearts, our hearts, our inner beings are, you know, is that filled with reverence and awe for God? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, if that sounds overwhelming, Like, how am I supposed to make all of my life worship? (laughs) You know, that feels impossible. Well, it sounds overwhelming for good reason, um, because we can't change our heart attitude on our own, Yeah. right? But the Bible does give us answers. God's word does give us answers for this. You know, Romans 12, 2 tells us how it happens through the renewal of our minds, um, minds that are set on truth. And so when we are in God's word, we are constantly learning and hearing the truth. We are sanctified by God's word. Mm -hmm. And that life of worship becomes more and more possible and more and more natural because of the Holy Spirit working in us. Mm -hmm. And we have to remind ourselves of that truth constantly, right? We don't need to just like read God's word, but we need to be meditating on God's word and preaching the gospel to ourselves like we talked about in episode seven. Yeah. And just, I would say like, we shouldn't underestimate the power of God's word. You know, Mm -hmm. it's 
sometimes we can we can do that, but there mm-hmm. it's living and active, and it truly right. is like. I've experienced it. I know Joanna has. And and that mm-hmm. is why we are elevating the word of God or saying like, hey, this right. is the answer. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. And we should take it seriously. Right. Because when I think of worship, like God tells us how to worship, like Joanna says, in mm-hmm. his word. And we don't want to self-impose what kind of worship we think God will accept. Right. He mm-hmm. tells us. And and. You know, thinking about that, like, what? okay, what has God prescribed as true worship? So let's think about it in a few ways, that our worship looks out, in, and up. So first, worship that looks out is the worship that we have by the way that we interact with others around us. Mm -hmm. Okay, so to be an image bearer of God is to be his representative on the earth. And so one way that we worship and glorify him is by displaying his character to those around us, being ambassadors of God's love and mercy to others. Mm, So I think about Micah 6, 6 through 8, and it starts out, says, with what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? So we we see so far like that's that idea of sacrifice being this primary way that worship played out in the old testament mm-hmm. right and and in micah 6 he's saying what can i bring what sacrifice shall i bring how should i bow down and then it says he has told you O man what is good and what does the lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your god mm, and so yeah. it's this picture of loving and showing mercy to others, right? Because that is what God does. And we are to be image bearers in reflecting those characteristics. And, you know, we have said that when we worship, one way that we do that is serving God. But Jesus tells us that serving others is serving God, right? So um, Matthew chapter 25, um, verses 35 through 40, it says, I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. And so we love and honor and serve God as we love and serve one another. Yeah. And that passage just reminds me like, or makes me want to pray like, Lord, help me to have eyes to see. And Mm -hmm. And wants my life to be an act of worship because he's saying um, it's not just this holy to-do list where you worship here, here, and here, and that's it, and you're good. But it's just this overflow of the heart um, that mm-hmm. affects all of our lives. Um, yeah, it makes me think of that prayer of like, Father, forgive me for what I've done and what I've left undone. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> so next is our worship looking 
in, and that's talking about our hearts and kind of like our personal behaviors. And, you know, Joanna mentioned in the very beginning how humility is such a a key to this um, idea of true worship. And Mm -hmm. we can't really talk about worship without humility. So it's just that inward direction, um, going back to John 4, where Jesus said we must worship in spirit and in truth. So it's saying our worship is to flow from the inside out. It's not about an external activity. Um, Mm -hmm. I think of Psalm 103.1, where David says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Mm -hmm. Um, And this affects our personal behaviors, right? Um, It's going to be our behavior is going to be affected and transformed when our hearts mm-hmm. are transformed. And, right. And not the other way around. <laughs> yeah. Right. And that is when we can walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, as it says in mm-hmm. Colossians 1.10, because he changes our hearts. Um, he transforms us and, and sanctifies us from the inside out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, both of those ideas of worshiping out and in, cannot happen if we do not look at our worship as looking up. Yeah. Right. Which is remembering and orienting ourselves and our worship around the fact that worship is God word. Yep. Right. It is yep. directed to God. And um, Hebrews 13 verses 15 through 16 talks about this command to be constantly worshiping God. Mm-hmm. It says, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. And so we are called to praise God in everything we do. And, you know, part of this is literal spoken words, right? Words that come from our lips as we praise and honor God, but it's also in the fruit of those words, the fruit of our lips, and it's in what we do, right? So um, it goes on to say, don't neglect to do good Mm -hmm. or share what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. And so this requires humility, Right. This is understanding, like we said before, that every good and perfect gift comes from God, that we can't take credit for any of it (laughs) and giving God all the credit, which is giving him all the glory. And so a life of worship is going to be a life that's marked with gratitude, um, humble gratitude to God for giving us every, every good thing that we can ever experience. Yeah, and I know we um, threw out a bunch of scripture references. They will all be in our show notes. But I Mm -hmm. hope that kind of shows how worship is actually the very center of everything that is commanded in scripture. You know, it's not relegated to a segment of time in our week or a location or anything like that. So if we had to boil it down to kind of one scripture, um. I thought of Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 5. We've mentioned it a few Mm. times on our podcast. It's the Shema, and it tells us of the greatest command, and that is to love God wholly. And this Mm. command is actually the call to worship with all of our lives. So, Yes. Yeah, I love that. And that just shows us that a life of worship to God flows out of a heart that loves God. Yep. Right. And a heart that loves God is a heart that knows God. (laughs) So I think, you know, our final charge to you would just be to go to God's word, 
right? You don't need to make a list of like, okay, here's what I have to do to worship. Because if you go to God's word, one, he will tell you how to worship. And two, it's going to begin to come more naturally as you seek him and love him. And the natural outpouring will be praise and glory and honor to God. Yeah, I hope this conversation was edifying for you. I know it was helpful for me just even talking through it with you today, Joanna. (laughs) Um, So yeah, if it was helpful for you, we would love if you share it with a friend. We want to invite more people into our conversation. And the best way to do that is to personally extend the invitation um, by word of mouth. So yeah, yeah, we will link all of the resources, scripture references, and even some other books that were helpful to kind of shape this conversation today. So you can find all of that at our website, www.dailygracepodcast.com. Yeah. And if you have any questions or show topic suggestions, please feel free to email us. Um, And the email address is podcast at thedailygraceco.com. So thank you so much, everyone, for joining us. And we will talk to you next Tuesday.